Broad Pod. Hello, listener, and thank you so much for joining me on this 45th edition of the Teaching Abroad Pod. I'm your host, Rowan Lomas, and this episode is all about Spain. I'm going to be joined shortly by one of the newer programs we work with in Catalonia, and they're offering great short-term options for youth looking to gain teaching experience in Europe. But first, I wanted to share some exciting news for those wanting to live on the Iberian Peninsula in general. With all of the people wanting to teach online these days, which you can basically do from anywhere in the world with a solid internet connection, we and Job Placement have been doing some research on digital nomad visas available around the world and found that as of January, this is an option in Spain. According to the website Citizen Remote, Spain launched their digital nomad visa as part of the new Startup Act, which are measures designed to encourage entrepreneurship and foreign investment. The new Spain remote work visa allows non-EU remote workers and freelancers to live and work in Spain for up to 12 months in the first instance, which is renewable for up to five years. Now, applicants are required to prove a monthly income of 2,334 euros per month as a single adult, which is currently about 2,584 US dollars. Also, they need full health insurance coverage, a clean criminal record, proof of remote employment with a company that has been in operation for at least a year, and proof of qualifications in the field of work, along with proof of their income that they are making that required minimum amount. So Spain is definitely a country to consider for remote work, kind of like uh, what I was doing in Costa Rica until March of this year. So if you meet the minimum income requirements, that's uh, definitely a way into Europe these days. And for those of you just wanting something short term to gain teaching experience and live the authentic Spanish life, stay tuned for the upcoming interview. But first, a word from our sponsor. With Oxford Seminars, starting your new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 30 years, and you could be next. Our comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas or even teach from the comfort of your own home, Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. Right now, you can get $50 off your Oxford Seminars TESOL TESOL TEFL course price when paying in full by calling 1-888-225-2480 and giving the code TEACHINGABROADPOD. Visit OxfordSeminars.com today to find out more. Welcome back, listeners. We are now joined by Christopher Wynn, the founder of Educados International, which is offering a relatively new program to enable their students and community the opportunity to improve their English through native speakers and learn about the culture of the participating voluntary speakers country. In return, each participant has helped to develop practical teaching skills during their three-month stay. All host families are connected to the school to help participants feel involved in the local community and give them the chance to also experience a new culture while improving as educators. Welcome to the pod, Christopher. Hello, Rowan. Thank you very much. So what's your experience in Spain? Why did you start Educados? Well, I have to go back to the very beginning. Um, it was about nine years ago when I first arrived to Spain to do a, a program 
where I was able to teach in Spain for up to nine months. And then eventually I was the manager of that side program. And from there, operating with lots of schools, hundreds of schools across Spain, and bringing in three, 400 people a year, uh, all from all over the world. And my experience of working with thousands of people um, over those years of bringing them this experience, there was a very common area where I felt that it wasn't being targeted, which was the cultural development and the training aspect that goes into play when, when you're new to the TEFL world. And having that kind of uh, expertise, I was able to design and implement this program, Educados, where we're able to provide that security setting, but also the comfort of development in the, the TEFL graduate self. So someone that doesn't even have a teaching background can do the TEFL certification course to build themselves up in a theoretical setting, but also be able to put that to use in a classroom setting while doing what uh, they signed up for, which is to go abroad to teach. Sounds great. In fact, a couple of our course graduates have already taken part and uh, one of them has already found another teaching job elsewhere following this, you know, build them up a bit in their teaching skills and then they get that confidence to go on to, to more of a teaching career. Yeah, quite a few of our graduates uh, move on to other areas in the, and other places into the world of teaching. Some even stay in Spain um, as well. And we assist all people, all participants in our program with that kind of assistance in looking into what's the next step for them. Is teaching right for you? Uh, some people say, yeah, 100%, I want to go to Latin America, I want to go to Asia next. Uh, but also what was kind of a, a, a good, I consider a good thing uh, when someone comes to me and they say, actually, I've done three months here in Spain, I've had the experience, this isn't what I want to do. You just saved yourself thousands of dollars from tra to travel to another side of the world and, and time, most importantly, time as well. If you feel if you feel to yourself that, you know, just having a 90 day experience in, in a beautiful country like Spain, but discovering if this is actually what you want to do or not, that really is a, a key element that people find in our program. That is a very fair point. I mean, a lot of people, when they say they want to teach and travel, really what they want to do is travel and teaching is just essentially a means to do that and it is not a career path for everybody probably after three months they've they've changed their mind about that route yeah absolutely and sometimes people get the travel bug like myself from nine arriving in spain nine years ago um, I never thought to myself that I would stay in Spain. I thought I would want to go, you know, do, do this and then do something else. Uh, and then it just, I just couldn't leave. You just get that travel bug. So some people are, are in different stages of their lives as well. A lot of our graduates um, actually realize maybe they don't know what they want to study in university. Uh, or maybe they studied the wrong thing and realized that when they're here, they say, actually, I'm, I'm a teacher. I got to go back and get my, my teaching degree. You know, so there is some people that kind of discover themselves uh, within this process. So how does the program work? So how the program works is the volunteer speaker would be assigned to a school uh, within our association. And that school ha would have a delegation of 20 classroom hours per week in the, in, in the school, in the actual classroom itself with the students. Now, they're not necessarily leading the class because 
it's your first time teaching potentially you see so you are gaining and that exposure of how a classroom would operate but also seeing the development of the students while you're doing uh, classes with them to develop their speaking abilities as well and uh, a lot of the time is not writing on the board doing grammar and pronouns and adjectives and all these type of things is actually infusing your own culture and identity into that activities so you know for example coming from scotland a lot of my activities i would do were actually the things that i did as a kid when i was uh, growing up doing the highland games in the sports class that was a very fun day it, it, well, it involved my kill, but all the kids brought their, you know, different towels <laughs> and wow. things, you know, to wear, to wear over their trousers and pretend they're Scottish for a moment, you know, um, you know, face painting like Braveheart and things. And, you know, so there was all these different types of uh, areas where just from being from a different country, um, you actually have a lot to offer these kids because you could be the very first uh, person of your country in that school as their speaker so to see you know for example we have a, a south african uh, man and he he's in a very small town in catalonia where it's a beautiful beautiful place you know but it's not barcelona it's not tarragona so how would he ever know that place even existed and he loves it and the children have never met a South African before. So, uh, you know, to them, he everybody actually is a celebrity in their school. So you are waving your, your home flag when you're walking into your school life because whether you like it or not, you're a rock star as soon as you walk through those gates. Bit of a responsibility then too. Not only do you have to uh, teach these kids about English, but you have to represent your homeland in a positive way and not make them think, oh, you know, all Scots are terrible, angry people or something. <laughs> yeah, I've been spying through this whole video, so you, there's no way you can get that impression, Rowan. <laughs> no, I, there, there is a responsibility, uh, but there's also a responsibility in every person, especially if they're in an environment with children, you know, to, to make sure that the impression that they put onto them. and there is a big difference from the first day you arrived to the last day you're in their school. You, it, in Spanish education, they're very warm people here. Their culture is about family. And so you're not just a teacher to them or a faculty member, you're part of that family there as well. So uh, even after you leave and five years later, you come back for, as a little remembrance tour, you know, they will remember you. <laughs> <laughs> so th there's that kind of imprint that you can actually make here, which does make it worthwhile. Awesome. So I guess one of the, the nice things about your program for youth wanting to experience uh, Spain is that it does not require a bachelor's degree, but I guess you are interviewing people and you are looking for a certain type of candidate. So what, what do applicants need to do to be successful in their application? So this is really what... I would say makes the ideal person is personality, it is character, you see. This is about them becoming on a better self and a better level to trust their instincts and to go forth into the world to be better TEFL teachers. So what I like to see in an interview is charisma, energy, because if, if you can't get excited about the activities that you're supposed to do with the children and, and the fun and the games and, and, and seeing that development in the classroom, how will the students feel? 
how are their students are going to respond back to you if if you don't if you don't have that energy and it is very difficult i wasn't the perfect person at the very beginning of my tefl career monday morning nine o'clock you know 12 year old kids chris hey you know and i'm oh hey guys good morning you know uh, and it took me a while to realize well, actually you're, you're representing that there if, if it's your activity and your lesson you want the kids to do good and then you got to show them that positivity so really character positivity and energy is what i look for in an interview uh, in terms of uh, experience and application what i like to see is a very well thorough application to show to us why what you hope to achieve into this and what you feel like you're going to be able to do after this program and um, if it's someone that just wants to come for three months and, and leave and have no intention in teaching or, or becoming in, a, in the TEFL world and um, that's not the type of person that i would say would be an ideal fit here because I want curiosity, you know, curiosity in, in this program, but also curiosity in the country where you're going to be living. Not everybody is placed in major tourist cities like Barcelona. You know, you're in the real deal, the real country here uh, in these towns where uh, it really is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to understand, learn to live just like how the locals live, but get the real culture immersion rather than you know walking down the street in a beautiful city like barcelona is but you're going to see the same mcdonald's the same irish pub the same fast food joints and hearing people talking english around you you know that so it just depends on what people want to take from that and we we do identify that in our interviews to, to let people know this trip is not just a, a trip to run away for three months it really is a, an impactful experience and that's what we look for in our interviews so it sounds like a lot of the placement locations, you're really getting a more authentic old Spain almost uh, experience as opposed to just this cosmopolitan metropolitan. Yeah, style. absolutely. 100 um, percent. it depends, obviously, in the time of year, we do three, uh, three terms a year. So certain times of the year, certain places have different aspects to it. So, for example, in January, when we do our January intake, uh, I always recommend people the north of Catalonia is, is the is very good for those ex, you know kind of extreme sports types of people that like skiing, snowboarding. The mountains are right there; it's beautiful. But then you got the springtime going into the summer where you want to be in the kind of southern part of Catalonia region because that's where all the the vineyards are blooming and the nature is coming out there and so every every area of, of the northeast of Spain has everything it has the mountains has the outdoors but also has the coast the Costa Brava as well which to me is one of the best coasts in Spain so it, it really does kind of tick the boxes of you know what makes a perfect place uh, in a way as well to that now you mentioned there's a January intake. What are your other intakes throughout the year? So we start off the academic year at the end of September. This really goes by the scheduling of the school. So what we do is we make it within that within the actual schooling time of each term. So the end of September to uh, just before the Christmas break, and then after the Christmas break, which will be in January to uh, the Easter break, so just before the Easter break, and then the 
April term, April to June, that would be done days after when the kids return back after Easter. Because this obviously is good for the, the speaker, the voluntary speaker to, to uh, plan for timing, especially flight times and scheduling these type of things. But also give us the times for the families at the school uh, to be able to coordinate with themselves as well. So this, this time right about now, May coming into June, this would be a good time to be applying for the September intake, I take it? Yeah, we have uh, we have people applying right now. Um, because of how our process is, which makes us also very different from the other programs, these large programs in Spain, um, is that they have to wait months and months before they even get an answer if they're accepted or not. You know, we're able to accept people within two to three weeks because we, we don't just take uh, an applicant and put a number on them. We put the applicant as the person and the personality and their profile towards the actual school. So we do that all in, all in process time. So that way people can book their flights and get a better price, save money. Uh, and then even the process uh, is not months and months and no emb- you don't have any embassy visa co- complications because it's all within the 90 day period. So you're actually avoiding having to do any form of student visa or work visa uh, in order to, to participate in this volunteer program. Awesome. Uh, what would you say are some of the things people enjoy about participating in your program? I think the one thing they, they love the most is how personal we are how connected we are to the actual participants. We we don't just take a step back when you arrive. We're here with you every step of the way. We're in contact with you um, all the time, just checking out and also just having conversations about, you know, how, how things can be improved. We contact with the tutors who are actually in the school with you as well to get that kind of feedback and analysis of, of that person where we're able to kind of, you know, have a, a development discussion, but also most importantly, we, we we do like to meet the speakers when they're in Spain and, and meet up and the speakers can join with each other. We're, we're actually going to be doing uh, next Saturday, a week on Saturday, an activity in Barcelona where all the speakers are together and they stay in the night in Barcelona. And so that way people can obviously make friends and not, not feel like they're alone here as well. So I would say the biggest compliment that we have is that we are very hands-on with the speakers and we we don't uh, just leave <laughs> you know we're, we're part we're part with their development too we're part of their journey as well and once they leave uh, Spain or leave our program and uh, they're still part of our program no matter what no matter where they are in the world right what about uh, challenges to prepare for? Is there anything people should be ready for that maybe they weren't expecting? Yes, I would say the the ideology of living with a host family. So when people read host family, sometimes the thought in their head goes, "Oh, it's an old, I'm an old pair," you know. And I think that's the misconceptions that people kind of forget that actually no you're not an au pair and it's a, it's a real big privilege for these host families to to host the, to host an, a native english speaker in their house and you know they take a lot of pride into that and i feel you know when, when we do our pre-arrival conversation so we talk to every speaker before they even arrive we actually try to schedule those conversations with people who are going to be on the same plane so that way they can be together when they arrive as well and 
we touch base on you know host family interaction what to expect what do they expect so everything's you know really clear from the beginning uh, as well so i would say the pre-arrival fear would be that would probably be the biggest one that people have told me that i was so worried about the host family experience but i'm not every single person that's done this program has said that they could not have done it any other way they would never have had the same experience if they were to get their own place uh, and do this completely alone the host family element is actually the biggest element of this experience for for someone to truly put a cultural immersion to it in the classroom i would say that uh, confidence uh, at the very beginning trust in your ability um, I didn't come from a teaching background before coming into Spain. So how I acted, yeah, I'm going on on my personal experience, but it, other people have said exactly the same to me when I asked for feedback, what was the biggest challenge that they had to overcome is that they kept trying to be like teachers back from home. So how your high school teacher was to you. And we kind of somehow focus on, oh, I have to be just like them, you know? And, and eventually the tutor of my school said, Chris, what are you doing? Be you, you know, uh, be exactly how you're supposed to be, you know, and, uh, and stop trying to so much to be a teacher on the first day, you know, you're going to develop this, you're going to be, you're going to grow into this. So just be open-minded and, and have fun with it, really have fun with it. My first abroad experience really work abroad with after high school i did a three and a half month volunteer stint in cuba uh, with a host oh, family. Nice. and it was amazing I, I would totally recommend anything involving host families to young people going out to experience the world it's so great to live like a local eat like a local you know mm -hmm. i'm playing dominoes with locals thing i never would have had a chance to do anywhere else you learn to play dominoes like a cuban would play dominoes <laughs> all around yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. okay <laughs> that's good <laughs> but then from the trying to be like the teacher you had yourself that's exactly mm -hmm. what i did and that seemed to work okay in cuba when i got to korea though the students did not like it at all it took me yeah. definitely a few weeks to maybe even months to sort of change my style to be what the students appreciated in korea Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely resonate with that. You know, nine years later, my host family that I lived with still call me and invite me for dinner. And they, they even went to Scotland <laughs> and met my family and I wasn't even there, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Three years after living with them, uh, I, was, I, I lost my passport in Barcelona. I couldn't get home. I couldn't get the emergency passport in time to go home for Christmas. My host dad, who I lived with three years prior, knocked on my door, surprised me and took me home to have Christmas with them because he found out I was alone on Christmas day. So, you know, the, these host family experiences, they stay with you for life. They really do. Lifelong relationships you're developing and yes. people you can probably go visit anytime and same vice versa, wherever you are in the world. Yeah. I mean, we have a participant even participate in right now and her family came to visit uh, I met the host family and they had a great time. And this weekend, that fact that that host family have actually taken her to Morocco because it was a bank holiday here in Spain. So, you know, the, the host families themselves, they're not just a hotel. They're not an accommodation for the speaker. They really are an immersion part. There's 
I would say 95% of my activities that I did in that, in that experience, it all came with being part of the family because they want to show you around. They want to show you all these different places that would blow your mind. You know, going to the Barcelona football match with my host dad was like a, a great experience for me. No doubt. That would be an experience that you can't have anywhere else in the world. And who better to do it than with an actual Barcelona local fan, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so uh, in terms of the students, what are ESL students like in Spain? Do you have any tips or tricks for new teachers in terms of keeping the class engaged? Yeah, they are, they like new things. They really do. And the attention, I would say, I would say the Spanish students are very, very well behaved and coming from i'm not wanting to diss my own scottish educational system right but i would say our cultural differences are very different how we react to things are very different uh, especially in a school environment compared to spain you see so it was kind of more dog eat dog in the uk and you know and 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 but in spain they really take care of their appearance and 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 also their family kind of reputation as well so i would say you know having the students engaged in the classroom it would be to play to that part uh, quite quite effectively so they don't they're very competitive i would find i find the spanish are very competitive in, in, in areas so what i used to do would be if, if I felt the classroom was getting maybe a little bit too loud or a little bit distracted from the actual task at hand, um, I, I made teams and, and, made, and used their competitive nature against each other to get what I needed, which was then to get A's, you know? So it, it worked well, quite well in my favor. Like everyone's got a little bit of Rafa in them? Or... A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I would say the hardest challenge that I had to take was um, not every student in the classroom is going to be on the same level. So, you know, having that, and the, and the teachers know of this, uh, so having that, you know, conversation with the school staff, with the teachers and your tutor to, to get to know, you know, what, what students are going to make more of a, a, a benefit of you being there. But, you know, if you're going to ask someone to do a speaking activity of, you know, uh, what did they do, do on the weekend, don't set, don't have the same kind of expectation for every student. Put every student in their own, in their own lane and see their progress individually. Yeah, that's good advice for probably any public school ESL setting around the world, mixed levels, and no one's going to be able to contribute in the same way as, as the next person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what about just life in Spain? Do you have any recommendations for foods, drinks that people must try if they're uh, visiting there? Yeah, um, for someone that's been here for this long a time, I have gained weight, lost weight, gained it, and put it back on again every 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 few months. So you know, um, the Mediterranean diet is to me one of the, probably the best the best diet someone can have on a on a day to day basis. Um, the eat very late in Spain that could be a, a a bit of a hurdle to begin with, coming from a country where we generally eat at six six thirty. You know, and uh, they eat nine, nine thirty, sometimes even ten o'clock. And the four-year-old child that you think should be in bed will be sitting at that table having dinner with you. You know, and um, so yeah, their kind of eating hours could be a bit 
you know, we have a very good breakfast in the UK that I'm used to. And in Spain, sometimes I'll just have a bit of a croissant and a coffee and they're off to go, you know, and they love a good sandwich in, in the, during the day before lunch. Lunch to me would be their biggest, I would say they're the most time they spent where, you know, some, some places even have two hours lunch breaks. Uh, because of how, how, how they operate but uh, as well to that every speaker who in our program is full board so they're provided with you know breakfast with the host family lunch at the school dinner with the host family as well and so you know really the they're getting the true immersion of their cuisine so to speak uh, as well i would say my favorite um I love fish. So, yeah, they do a really good uh, fish here, good paella as well, um, which is a, a good thing to hit. The tapas, you can just live off tapas here. You really can. It's so easy to do. Um, when, when do you do the tapas? Is that for the two-hour lunch break or is that later in the day? It depends. Depends. I would say the lunch break, uh, yeah, lunch break is a bigger lunch, you know, it's a lot bigger than that. But with the tapas, it could be just as, oh, I would mind a coffee and then you're having you know, a little espresso and then the, you know, the barman will put up a little tapa for you to, a little tortilla, or a little bit of jamon for you to have, or, you know, if you're having a beautiful glass of cava, which is, um, basically the, the, the drink identity of Catalonia, they are the biggest producers of cava. Actually, the school I was placed in, the town where I was located, was the world's capital of Cava. So everywhere you looked was a winery. So yeah, in Catalan, Catalan Cava has one of the strongest names. So I would definitely recommend to, to do that. Try and experience the Cava Festival as well. It, it brings people from all over the world and it's a fantastic event. And really every kind of town has its own fiesta in a form of says their own cultural town event you know be part of that too because you're gonna you're gonna you know try these homemade wines and and things and, and or homemade um other beverages uh, that we say but as a volunteer organization you know drink responsibly <laughs> and, but enjoy your space and things but drink responsibly of course not before or during the school day, probably that would be would be good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, well, actually, funny fact: a lot of the schools have bottles of red wine on the teachers' table for lunch. You see, so there's always a conversation that we have to have with everybody and say, "Look, this is their culture; is a very different identity towards alcohol. Their attitude toward alcohol is very different." You see, so don't get caught up in it <laughs> in a way. But yeah, it's quite it's quite normal for for a glass of red wine at lunchtime. In moderation, absolutely, it's to be enjoyed. Uh, what about things to do? You mentioned already some uh, some places you would recommend, but. Any others that off the top of your head? I would say, uh, first of all, you know, your host family there will really take care of you and also want to show you around the local area. So get to know your local area first because 99% of people in the world will not have that opportunity, especially with a local, you know, and so get to know your local um, areas, the views, the science, the attractions there, and then branch out. You know, don't just run straight to a city like Barcelona, for example. That's always going to be there. So take advantage of your local area first uh, as well. And um, depends on the time of year. But, you know, if you're going to be 
in the kind of winter time ending fall and going into winter the north has got these great uh, skis and snow snowboard slopes that you can do uh, and Dora is on the doorstep you can France is bordered to Catalonia you can take a train in just three four hours you're in France if you are coming in the Easter period I recommend try and get yourself to the south of Spain Andalusia for the Semana Santa uh, time uh, which is fantastic a uh, great time to be there and yeah I would say probably my favorite thing to do uh, was catch a football game I didn't care who was playing. It was just really, a really great experience in, in the environment, the ambience of, of a football match, a Spanish football match here. They really do it well. Nice. Did you ever get to see one of your like hometown teams visiting or anything like that? Uh, no, <laughs> my team in Scotland isn't good enough to play in the, in, the, in the European tournaments, but I got to see quite a lot of um, players I, I looked up to, you know, seeing Messi when he played in Barcelona kick a ball, you know, that was something I'll never forget, yeah, and, and uh, how the city just vibrates when, when a football game is on, it, it really is a remarkable thing. The time where I was placed in actually was there were the world champions in uh, indoor hockey, uh, kind of like rollerblade hockey, not on, not on ice. And uh, it was uh, every every week, it was just crazy, you know, crazy environment. And I'm there with my six-year-old and eight-year-old host sister, you know, and my, and my host dad's got two big beers, for, uh, one for me and one for him, and they're screaming. You know, it really is a, a remarkable experience when you get to kind of get involved into like the local, you know, the local attraction, the local uh, events. It really it's is. kind of like going to a junior hockey game in Canada. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard about the hockey there. <laughs> well, I'm going to have, whenever I come to Oxford Seminars HQ, you got to take me to a hockey game then, Rowan. Absolutely. Let me know <laughs> when you're coming. Absolutely. <laughs> so what would you tell people who are on the fence about teaching abroad? Maybe they're not really sure if it's worth their time or money. Uh, how do you to respond to someone like that? Yeah, that's, that's exactly the reason why this program exists, why Educados have this program in Spain, is for the people that have that curiosity but don't want to spend three, $4,000 to go through a six-month process to go to, you know, a, a country that could be quite adventurous, you know, in a way, but then it could be a massive culture shock to themselves that after three weeks, you're going back home, you see, or you don't get to that full potential. So I, I would say if you're having these doubts, uh, everyone has doubts about doing any new job, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do in any new position or any new experience you're going to take, there's going to be that voice in your mind. But choosing the right uh, program for yourself or, or, or experience, you know, having that right step in place um, and have and being open to guidance as well, you know, not just be so fixated on one thing. Be open to 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 these different type of available channels where you can you can see and 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 then take that leap. And that really is the biggest thing you got to do is not to say to your friend that you're going to go abroad to Spain or you're going to go to Italy or Asia or Latin America is actually that one moment when you're about to get on that plane. That's that step. That's the big leap right there. 
you know, because you can always just turn back and walk away, you know, but when you get onto that plane, that's it. And you're arriving to Barcelona airport to see my face. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Chris. It was great having you and hearing all about this great program that you offer. Thank you very much, Rowan. It's been a pleasure. Before we go, I do have a little job placement update for those job seekers who may be listening. In addition to Educados, there's another great program we in job placement work with in Spain that is interviewing for September and October starts all over the country. Positions run for a full school year through June. It's a work-study program for youth that is another excellent way to experience Spain and grow as an educator for those with or without a passport from the EU member state. Participants are enrolled in Spanish or TESOL post-secondary courses and can enter Spain on a student visa while also working as a teaching assistant in elementary or secondary school. Teachers are paid anywhere from 350 euros with everything covered in terms of accommodation, food, transport within Spain, up to about a thousand euros, but you have to find your own apartment in that case. It all depends on the actual school and the cost of living in the region. So while it can be somewhat difficult for non-EU passport holders to find teaching work in Western Europe, these options in Spain are a great foot in the door. Thanks as always for tuning into the Teaching Abroad pod. We're still aiming to release new episodes monthly for the foreseeable future. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. And remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and your podcasting app of choice. If you have any great ideas you'd like to hear about in upcoming episodes, tell us on Instagram or email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. See ya!